0: These may be challenging times, but have hope and listen to the untold health stories about incredible people who have committed their lives to better their communities. Diverse health activists, direct medical providers, community organizers that are helping our communities to get healthier and stronger. Stories of local heroes during the pandemic and even before that proves over and over again that people can come together during times of need and make the world a better place. Stories you would never hear of, except at Healthcare Untold, hosted by Barbara Ann Garcia. Our guest today is Otilia Romero. She is the co-founder and executive director of Comunidades Indígenas in Lila Vasco. Welcome to Healthcare Untold, Otilia.
1: Thank you for having me, Barbara. It's a pleasure to be with you
0: today. So it's a great honor to have you on our podcast today. And I just wanted to to ask if you could share uh, with our listening audience uh, your journey to becoming the co-founder, executive director of Comunidades Indígenas in Lediáspo.
1: Well, my journey to becoming the co-founder and the ED for Cielo, it's been long. I, actually, uh, in my previous life, I, I was part of Grass Moved. Uh, grassroots movement for indigenous people's rights and you know there was a need to create a woman focus woman-led work uh, for indigenous people and especially very intentional about investing in women and the younger generation. Um, in my previous life you know I had a great experience and a lot of learning lessons and those learning lessons are being applied to Cielo like. Uh, investing in women, investing in younger generation uh, you know finding ways to uh, um, support the leaders that we already have in the community with a very uh, with a focus on indigenous women and youth.
0: And women really do pass on the cultural um, life of the next generations. And so that is so important. Um, so um, when you started, you have another co-director with you. Um, so share with us some of the uh, programs that you provide uh, for the indigenous community.
1: Yes, well, uh, Cielo was co-founded with Janet Martinez, my daughter, uh, because also we both uh, were part of this grassroots organization in our previous life. Yes. You know, the services that we provide is um, interpreting services. One of them is um, fighting against language violence that indigenous people endure in a daily basis, Um, you know, in hospitals, in schools, in courts, uh, in their everyday life. And, you know. Uh, creating, uh, that's one program. The other program is creating uh, the visibility of the existence of indigenous people. You know, most people think we're Latinos and that we all speak Spanish and that is not right. You know, there's uh, multiple indigenous languages uh, that are spoken across the US, both from the uh, Native Americans as well as the displaced communities, right? So uh, there is, um, and people don't take that into account. So one is creating the visibility of our existence but also preserving the languages. We have language classes. Uh, we have um, our literature conference. We have workshops for the community. Um, so we, we have um, a few departments. One department, of course, is like the accounting department, the cultural affairs department, uh, the community affairs uh, department. They, through that department, we distributed $2.3 million during the COVID pandemic. We vaccinated more than 15,000 indigenous folks in LA County. And through our culture is our literature conference, um, lectures of indigenous um, people's resistance across the world. And then also we have a small policy and research department through the policy and research department. We also created a map that identifies that there are 17 indigenous languages spoken in LA City. Um, So, and then of course, the Center for Indigenous Language and Power which is where we provide interpretation services across the U.S.
0: Also, you know, it's I read um, about the incredible work that you did for COVID. 15,000 people to get vaccinated. So your organization was so important during this period of time. Can you share a little bit about that in
1: more detail? Absolutely. Well, you know, um, during the COVID, the, the, the first people that actually died from COVID, Uh, were garment workers, you know, Um, and I knew this. I mean, they, in the data, they went as Latinos, but actually they were indigenous Mayans Mm -hmm. that work in the garment industry. One of our friends who also passed away from COVID was like, Odilia, there's so many people dying of this COVID thing, you know, in the garment industry because they were all in one place, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of indigenous people died of covid but of course in the data they went as Latinos and I think um, you know for us we had to um, create videos in different indigenous languages to create awareness of what COVID was um, how to protect yourself because the state and the uh, and 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 people doing the work at that time, you know, did not have any information about our existence, but also didn't have any information of COVID prevention, COVID awareness. So we had to come up with it in different indigenous languages. Now we have them like. um, So it was really rough because here's COVID. People are dying. We're helping people repatriate uh, bodies. We're helping people navigate the system. People are jobless. You know, people are calling like, uh, is there any food? So we created a food pantry program to address the food insecurities. You know, we had to fundraise the $2.3 million to address the needs of Indigenous communities that were not included in all these benefits that were given or support that was given to other folks because of the language barrier, right? So during COVID, Indigenous people had to... uh, the the language violence against indigenous people, um, incremented.
0: Um, and so from there, I'm sure you're still in the recovery process uh, from COVID because COVID is still here.
1: I mean, COVID has not gone anywhere. And you know, we um, there are still people dying of COVID, right? Because of the lack of information, but also in the recovery process, indigenous people are not thought about, right? That's right. Uh, they're, the resources are out there but in order to access to them you need to learn how to read and write. you need to have access to a computer. you need to be computer literate for a lot of these things and sometimes you know um, um, you, you you indigenous people don't have access to these services because of the language barriers. so we're still being um, surviving language uh, language violence because if there's no information in their language, And because um, indigenous people, 99%, uh, do not have access to higher education. Most of us only have, uh, only 1% of indigenous people have access to higher education in Mexico. So us who are migrants here probably went to fourth grade, fifth grade at the most, and maybe sixth grade some, right? So that level of Spanish doesn't mean you understand your rights, you understand what COVID is, and also, you know, um, people tend to use a family member, a child, to become an interpreter. And that's a, 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 a human rights violation towards a child, towards a family. Imagine you being a child and having to tell your parents, hey, you, you have cancer and you're going to, it's terminal. Imagine that trauma that that child incurs. So um, there's a lot of things that we face currently as Indigenous people.
0: That's right. And um, it's so important because, you know, it really takes uh, many more organizations like yours to really reach our populations who are Indigenous-speaking families. And so are you connected to other organizations throughout the United States who are trying to do the same?
1: There's two different ways of organizing. There's the umbrella organizations or broader organizations that fight for the political recognition and contribution of indigenous peoples, but there's also the hometown association organizing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, indigenous people do reorganize. People, mm-hmm. indigenous people, do have a support network in their language, in their community. For example, during COVID. There was a lot of exchange, the thread you know, that, that continues to happen here. Like I have um, bread, I'll give you avocados. You have eggs, I'll, I'll give you um, the exchange to continue to happen. So I think we have to be very careful. Like we don't want to send a message that we don't organize. No, we're very well organized. Absolutely. Um, if somebody passes away, we're all going to support that family, um, you know, by pitching in from beans, rice, water. Uh, money. Um, so that part of organizing is accessing a rights in the Western world where it becomes a challenge. Uh, how do I get um, an interpreter when my child is a special needs child? Because at home, you know, I will have a community support. But is it, how is it that I get an interpreter when I have to administer medication to my child? That's where the problem became. The problem becomes once facing the Western world. That's right. Um, That's right. And, you know, there's six indigenous organizations in the country that are nonprofits. And there's the grassroots organizations that are organizing as well. But also there's the cultural grassroots organizations where a uh, one thing I could tell you about the brass bands or the philharmonic bands, uh, as they call themselves, I have to correct myself there, you know, okay. parents don't get money from foundations like we do. Parents sell food. Uh, parents uh, uh, pay for the kids' instrument. They pay for the classes. They pay for the teacher. They pay for the space where these kids practice. All right. So that's one way of organizing as well. That Absolutely. Uh, music and culture is so important. So if the kid is in a folkloric dance, a traditional folkloric Oaxacan dance, you know, the parents fundraise for, for that money by selling tamales, by selling tlayudas, by selling whatever, but it is how do we access our right? If, it, there's, if we don't know what COVID is, there's no way to uh, pass that information to our community. It's like how the state, nation state responds and the institutions respond to indigenous peoples. That's right. But, but but going back to your question, yes, and we are supporting other organizations. Uh, we have uh, working with a few collective training them to become interpreters uh, in in the United States, New York, Champaign, Louisiana. And we have an annual interpreters conference in Los Angeles where we fundraise and grant a lot of the participants to come to this big conference with more than 350 interpreters in one space. And we believe in the training and the professionalization of interpreters because there are words, for example, blood transfusion. How do you say it in, in indigenous language, right? Either they're filling your body with blood you know, we have to figure out ways and communities figure out ways to say it. So mm-hmm. we we believe in the profession, professionalization and also in the training of the interpreter So we're doing that work, Nation, with, with other orgs, too.
0: That's, that's incredible. Thank you, Odelia, for that. What is your um, thoughts about the future of your organization and how you can continue the work that you're doing, Odelia?
1: I mean, we hope to be here for another for the next 100 years, you know, because of indigenous course. people will continue to be displaced. We are um, in this world of uh, climate change and we as indigenous people hold 80% of the natural resources and we're only 10% of the world population. So that means capital, capitalism is gonna go after those resources. And we hope to exist to address some of the issues are going to come up with the displacement of more and more indigenous people. Uh, for example, now we're seeing that mosquitoes from Nicaragua are arriving in the US. You know, uh, with the Venezuelan crisis, we're going to see our relatives from Venezuela arriving very soon, too. So, like, how do we prepare the displacement of indigenous people is just going to intensify? Pushed out of the territories because capital needs water, they need lumber you know, and the mining companies are one of the roots of displacement for us across the world.
0: Could you share with our listening audience um, how we can help your
1: organization? Well, I, I think one, sharing our work through your social media networks, but also talking about us with different funders, with different allies, with different institutions in school, like how do we address the language violence that Indigenous people are going through? You know, it doesn't have to always go through money, but how do we work with the different school uh, districts across the U.S. to address the challenges that Indigenous people are facing as they continue to arrive? But we want to honor
0: uh, Odilia Romero for her incredible work with Cielo. Thank you so much, Odilia. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Healthcare
1: Healthcare Untold.